Hanukkah is a family yantif. This is reflected, of course, in the warm, sentimental memories we have from our youths of bonding with our mishpachas on Hanukkah. But more essentially, by the halacha itself, the way Chazal arranged the mitzvah of Ner Hanukkah. The mitzvah of Ner Hanukkah is not a mitzvah on an individual, but a mitzvah on a household. Ner Each household must kindle a light. And the household kindles that light in their physical bias or at the doorway of their physical bias. Certainly this bias focus reflects something core about the nature of the Yantaf of Hanukkah. So for starters, it makes sense that the commemoration of the nace of the miracle of the menorah, which of course was kindled in the base Hamikdash, a physical bias, is in turn commemorated by our menorahs, lit within a physical bias, as in our individual homes. That's seen this way, each of our batim serves as the mini base hamikdash, in which the present-day menorah commemorating and, as Arizal understands, actually capturing the holiness of the menorah of old. Well, that menorah finds its place in our homes, just as it did in the days of old in the Beis HaMikdash. Because as we see in many places in Chazal, each of our individual homes is a Beis HaMikdash of sorts. There is a Shekhinah in the sacredness of Jewish family life, akin to the Shekhinah of the Mikdash, no less. That in the everyday mundane functionings of the Jewish bias, there is sanctity, consummate holiness, Mikdash-esque holiness, and therefore it, it is the place to commemorate the menorah. But more to the point and directly reflecting the bias focus in Hanukkah, what comes to mind is the fact that one of the Avanim, one of the Greeks' fundamental decrees was an attack, was an assault on Jewish family life. They decreed that each young Jewish bride must first spend the night defiled by the Greek general before she begins her married life with her husband. Chazal tell us that this decree was one of the deepest offenses which spurred the Hashmonam into action, the Maccabees into action. That bias was the war ground, the battlefield of Hanukkah, no less than the physical battlefield. In fact, one of the pivotal miracles of Hanukkah happened in this context, and that is, of course, the story of Yehudas, a particular Jewish bride who, when she was assaulted this way by a Greek general, she fed the Greek general milk and thereby made him tipsy and sleepy and in the process killed him. Now, this miracle of Yehudas is very important within the story of Hanukkah because the Gemara, as understood by many Rishonim, teaches that until this very day, 
women are obligated in the mitzvah of Ner Hanukkah. Even though it is mitzvah saseh shazman grama, time-bound mitzvah, Ner Hanukkah is different because afhin hayu ba'usahanes. Women played a pivotal role in the miracle of Hanukkah, i.e. in the story of Yehudas. So Yehudas is not simply an individual Jewish woman securing her territory, her kedushas habayas, but the model of every Jewish woman, the heroine of bias. In fact, as we expand this bias thread further, Yehudas, we realize, is not an isolated story. But her story is so reminiscent of a story in the Tanakh. In Sefer Shoftim, we have the story of Yael and Sisra, that when there is an evil general Sisra who afflicts the Jewish people, well, he enters the tent of Yael and has plans to exploit Yael for his purposes, and she feeds him milk and in the process kills him. The, all the pieces on the board, so to speak, in these two stories, the stories of the story of Yehudas in the Hanukkah era, and the story of Yael in Sefer Shoftim are so uncannily similar. General seeking to exploit a Jewish woman who in her home uses milk of all substances to fell him, to attack him. So there's this, there is something existential, something larger than any particular story here. Something timeless about this Yehudist dynamic. The Jewish woman, the milk, going back to the Tanakh itself. And we begin to appreciate the power of this story in terms of the milk. The milk, which appears in both of these stories, Sefer Shoftim and Yehudas, is not coincidentally the object which appears, but it is of deep symbolic meaning. Milk is the symbol of maternity, the symbol of the nurturing influence of the Jewish woman, of the woman, and in this case, the Jewish woman, the heroine of bias. Her weapon, her force to secure the sanctity of bias against those who seek it harm is milk, is her nurturing presence, is her embodiment of everything which is sacred of Jew- about Jewish family life as wife and as mother. So we've begun to tease out that this bias focus of Hanukkah is truly essential and multifaceted. And as with every true Torah revelation, the finds and the revelations continue to surface. Because let's think about the name of this heroine of the story, Yehudas. That name is a very significant name to the Hanukkah story. Yehudas from the word Hodah, Thanksgiving, is the very essence of Hanukkah according to Chazal. And the Maccabee, the Hashemunai general, 
who achieves the great battlefield victories, his name is Yehuda, the masculine equivalent of Yehudas, Yehuda HaMakabi. So here we have Yehuda and Yehudas, the male hero and the, and the feminine heroine, both with the same name, one on the actual battlefield, in the case of Yehuda, and one in the privacy of her bias, asserting to the, the, the Kedusha of bias, in the case of Yehuda. This is surely no coincidence, Yehuda and Yehudas, symmetrically in name and in role. Symmetrical in name and in role. But what it reflects is that these two domains, Yehuda Hamakabi on his battlefield and Yehudas in her bias, are really two sides of one coin, are really two expressions of one core value, and that is the very essence of the struggle between the Jewish people and the Yavanan is one of bias, is one of this inner sanctum of Jewish life, whether it is a base hamikdash or whether it is the individual mikdash, the bias in which we each kindle a menorah, no less than the great base hamikdash. Because as we said before, the Jewish home and its everyday mundane functions is consummately holy and akin to the sacredness of the Beis HaMikdash itself. Expanding the thread even further, now that we have firmly established the theme and motif of Kedushas Habayas in Hanukkah, one can suggest that it is reflected within the Neiros Hanukkah themselves. Because it is interesting to note that a candle appears in several places in Chazal. For example, in the Gemara in Daphne and Chasam and Aleph. The candle symbolizes the relationship between man and woman. Psila uner. The wick and the oil coming together is man and woman. Now, beyond simply the physiological and the physical imagery intended... As with every metaphor of Chazal, there is a deep conceptual meaning to this metaphor. He is the wick and she is the oil. Because oil is the material, the fuel, the substance behind the ner. While the psila, the wick, directs the force of the oil into a given shape, into a given form, i.e., the flame. Well, this very compare contrast between fuel and and shape, shaman and psila, is found in classical sources in depiction of Zachman Cave of man and woman. Woman is called the homer, the substance of the bias. What really happens in the bias is the expression of the energy of the woman and the force of her endeavor and the force of her persona. The role of the man is one of tsura, one of form. He gives form to the home. He gives identity to the home. 
literal, literally in a traditional home, as in the name of the family and its individuality, is in the husband's name, which defines the bias. And from a more conceptual perspective, the fact that the home and all of the feminine, powerful feminine endeavor therein is used as Azer Connecto to help mate and advance his mission where he is taking the home. So seen this way, Psila and there, wick and oil coming together in man and woman. The question is, is this a holy union? Is this a sacred union? Is this a tahar, a pure union? So how remarkable that, that just as there is a struggle in the Hanukkah story for the purity of Jewish marriage, that our women are undefiled, there is no less a struggle for the purity of the shaman, the purity of the oil, and ultimately in both purity is achieved. That the pure flame which emerges from the pure oil and the pure wick of the menorah, I would suggest symbolizes the purity of the union of Jewish man, Jewish woman, the Kedushas Habayis, which was achieved in the story, which produces a, a, an R, a presence, an illumination, a radiance, the very soul of Jewish life. And there are other clues of correlation between the untampered flask, the Pach Shemen, and the purity of the Jewish woman, which was reaffirmed in the Hanukkah story. To cite one example, the Pasuk and Shir Hashirim describes the purity, the tzneis of the Basi Yisrael, the Jewish woman, as ma'ayin chasum, the sealed spring, chasima, seal. Well, seal happens to be the very term to describe the mark of purity of the flask of oil, with the chosen, with the seal of the Kohen Gadol. Taken all together, these correlations between Ner, Chosam, Candle, Seal, coalesce, come together powerfully in terms of the larger motif which we have explored this evening. This, that Hanukkah, is essentially a story of bias. Whether in our present-day Batim, in which we light the menorah and celebrate Hanukkah, and in the, the actual domain of struggle, that the true battlefield of the Hanukkah story was the bias of, Yehu- of Yehudas, no less than the rugged battlefield of Yehuda, Yehuda Hamakabe. And now what we would like to do is to take this all one step further, to really understand thematically and conceptually why the culture comes, why the essence, the soul of the struggle between the Jewish people and the Yuvanim, the Greeks, 
revolves around the bias. And I think it's important to understand as follows. The Yavanim, the Greeks, value aesthetic beauty. As Chazal noted in regard to the Pasuk, depicting the ancestor of the Yavanim, Yafes, Yafdel Kimel Yafes, Yafuso Shal Yavan, the beauty of Yavan, Yafes Milashin Yofi, beauty. The Greeks, of course, introduced concepts and love of aesthetic beauty into the world. This is true both in terms of visual aesthetic beauty and art, but it's also true in terms of the wisdom of the Greeks, which is a wisdom of logic, of appreciating what man can discern, what man can make sense out of, the ability to clearly define and lay out the parameters to an idea, A plus B equals C. Now, this is all great. This is appealing to be able to understand things, to be able to visualize visualize things, but it comes with a significant limitation because the Greeks were unable to appreciate that which is transcendent, that which is beyond what the eye could see and what the mind can discern. As Ramban famously writes in Parshas Amar criticizing Aristotle, the great Greek philosopher, that he did not believe in what his senses could not sense. He believed the extent of reality. He and his Greek countrymen believed the extent of reality is what man can see, visualize, put his finger on. And we all know at the end of the day that the true answers to the mysteries of life cannot be provided by that which is logical, that which is visual, meaning, purpose, what's behind it all. It's all in that realm beyond, ultimately that realm of the divine called Hashem, and we find meaning in our ability to relate and appreciate that realm, though it transcends us and though we can't clearly put our finger on it. And the Greeks are deep, the Yavanim are deeply frustrated by this Jewish notion, this Jewish belief, which they don't really know how to make sense out of, the holding on, the attachment to something beyond. And therefore, the, the, we have here a Greek attempt to penetrate that realm, to try to stick their finger into that realm of holiness, that sacred realm which the Jews revere, and to try to make sense out of it, and to try to capture that realm. And for this reason, we find the Greeks not destroying the Beis HaMikdash, they are not destroyers of underminers of, per se, the Avodah, which happens in the Beis HaMikdash, Rather, they breach the walls. They destroy the structure. They breach 13 breaches into the surug, into that wall, which was intended to keep Gentiles out. They are seeking to throw down barriers. They are seeking to destroy any concept of sanctum, any concept of something beyond, something beyond what they can understand, something beyond what the Greek mind can clearly define. 
this breaching of the walls of the bias of Beis HaMikdash is no less true of the Jewish marriage. They do not outlaw Jewish marriage. What they do is they breach the wall, so to speak. They ensure that their evil claws find their way, sink their way in. They defile the Jewish marriage by saying, Tivola Hegman Every Jewish bride must first spend her night with the Greek general. So this way, her marriage will forever be defiled by, Gre- by Greece, by Greek culture. It will never have that sacred aura of Tzneus, that holiness of Jewish marriage, that character, which we can't quite define what it is, but it is the wholesome, holy nature of a Jewish marriage when it is observed Bektusho B'tahara. That here we have, both in terms of the base Hamikdash, which the, Greek, the Greeks breached the walls, and Jewish marriage, which they sought to defile. We have an assault on the concept of bias, the concept of an inner world, the concept of a character beyond the clearly defined physical beyond that which is discernible to the outside world. That when we expand this theme to Torah in general, and the fact that the Torah, for all of its logic and reason, ultimately is meta-rational, ultimately is our... Touch point with contact to Hashem, to that which is beyond. The Greeks have a lot of trouble with that. And therefore we find an earlier iteration of the Greeks before the Hanukkah Seleucid dynasty, the Talmudic dynasty, who seek to translate Torah, who seek to make it accessible to the Greeks and rational to Greek thought, and thereby choke it of all its mystery, all of its mystique, all which lie, which all of its character, which lies beyond. They think they are making the Torah more beautiful, more understandable, by rendering it more rational, more palatable to the, Jew, to, to the human mind. But just like the fluorescent lights of city life, which actually blind us to so much, Man in the city no longer sees the magnificence of the cosmos and of the stars. Lights, fluorescent, neon lights actually blind us to, to, from greater truths. The Greek color, the Greek aesthetic beauty, the Greek drive to understand and interpret on their own terms blinds us from a greater beauty, which explains why the Greeks are called choshech, are called darkness by the Medrash. And the Gemara particularly tells us that when they sought to translate the Torah, there were three days of darkness. Now this is a Germanic play on the Greeks. The Greeks and Western civilization prides itself for its beauty, for its light, for its visual access. And yet the sages are saying, your 
vision. Your aesthetic beauty is actually the opposite. It's darkness. It's choshech. It blinds from man's ability to appreciate a greater truth. Something which is beyond. This notion of a greater truth beyond the visual, the visual beyond the physical eye. This is what Sneas is all about. This is what a bias is all about. The concept of Tznias and Jewish family life is not about covering or masking, but quite the contrary. It is the maintenance of an inner dignity. It is the maintenance of a character. We all know there was a, there was a mystique. There is a preciousness to something which is vaulted as a treasure rather than paraded all around in a gaudy display. <coughs> That's what Sneas is all about. It maintains the dignity, the character of family life, and by extension, all of Jewish life, whether it's the bias of the base Hamikdash, whether it's the bias of the home, because there is an inner sanctum maintained, there is truly something imp- impressive. There is truly something which has content, which has purpose. The Greeks will never get it. But this is something we celebrate when we celebrate the bias of Hanukkah. We cel- the home celebrates its character. The fact that there is Jewish character at all as an expression of this inner dimension. This sense of dignity and character. Final observation, which I will note from this perspective. How ironic if the theme of Hanukkah is the maintaining of an inner world. If it is not, if it is the antithesis of the neon fluorescent lights of the Greeks and the modern world. The Hanukkah stresses pursuing Nitzah Klapechutz. Hanukkah stresses that the nair of Hanukkah cannot be kept within the home, but actually must be displayed and make an impression on the outside world. It is so ironic that we seem to be usurping the Greek focus, which we so battled with in this culture conf, the concept of image, the concept of klapechutz. But the answer is, as we know... A person who has dignity, a person who has content of character and doesn't let it all hang out, there is a mystique, there is a stature to that which impresses the world. Well, the inner dimension of Kedushas HaTorah and Kedushas Hayahatas, this inner power of character is one which is supposed to impress the world. One which is supposed to make a Rosham on the world. It is supposed to make a Rosham with its presence hidden. That this hidden world makes an impression, has bearings because it is hidden. And this is brilliantly reflected in the bias the entity which is Chayev, which is obligated in the Narachanaka, lighting a small candle to the outside. The outside sees 
there's light here, but it's just a small candle. It is not something which captures for the naked eye what it is per se that the bias has, what it is per se Torah and Judaism has. It is simply a touch point to that which lies within. It is no coincidence that the Ner Hanukkah is objectively speaking small, a humble flicker rather than the neon fluorescent colors of the Gentile holidays of the season. It is the beauty of a humble flicker. It is the beauty of Tznias. It is the mystique and the appeal of the hidden, of content, of that which transcends what we could understand. And this is the essence of Hanukkah.